Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I'm your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, Alex Collins. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Good, good. Um, it's a little bit crazy out there in terms of the market. Yes. Uh, so we're recording this uh, on March 9th, and uh, the coronavirus is having full effect on what the, what's going on in the markets. Yeah. So uh, we thought for today's podcast, it would be a, a good reminder uh, to speak into the rules of investing, behaviors, um, just to, to really sit back and, and take a look at investing without freaking out, uh, which is a, a little bit of what's going on right now. So we're hoping we're being proactive here and helping some people out who might be have, maybe have some worries around their, their market-based investments. Right, absolutely. So uh, let, let's jump right in here, Alex. So when, when we talk about, you know, with the market as it is today, um, in terms of a coaching moment for clients, I'm not sure this couldn't be better, even though I'm sure clients would hate the aspect of learning <laughs> on the downturn. Um, right. But, you know, let's just start with the rules of, of investing, the basic rules. Sure. Uh, so we'll just run through these real quick and then we'll uh, jump back and start explaining some of them. But uh, the first rule is own stocks and manage the risk with fixed income. The second rule is diversify. The third rule is rebalance, and the fourth rule is behave. And all four of those are huge uh, all the time, but it's even more important now. One could easily state that the behavior, number four, is probably the, the biggest thing to really focus on here. But I think there's another piece to the behavior also comes back to when you sat down and you had a conversation with either your spouse or your financial advisor, or hopefully all three, what was it that you sat down and said, okay, this is the risk profile we wanted so that when the market does have a down year, down day, we don't overreact, right? It all comes down to, to what we were taught up front. Obviously the behavior is hard to do. And that conversation maybe have happened five years ago for all we know. So to, to remember that conversation yeah. right now is hard. Yeah, and, and so much of it is just going back and reinforcing and making sure that we understand exactly what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we plan on doing it. Um, for the vast majority of folks, this is going to be uh, something that looks really bad on paper and doesn't really affect them. If you've done a good job of diversifying your assets, of creating guaranteed income streams, of making sure that you're appropriately uh, appropriately allocated for your time horizon. Yeah, before we get into the, the behavior pieces that we have on our agenda here, the one thing that just hit me is, Alex, you and I have had plenty of conversation around having cash on hand, having access to funds that allow you to allow your, your other money to work hard for you. And this yeah. is a prime example of if you've got a bunch of cash sitting in savings or, or somewhere where you have access to it, 
especially in retirement, you may not be freaking out as much right now because you're not tapping into those funds. And even if you're not in retirement, if you have very little in savings, right, that still can be a very uh, uh, freaky time for, for people when they, when they see the bulk of their money going down like it is right now. Yeah. Uh, in fact, actually, the last phone call that I, I fielded before we're, we're recording this was a client who was asking, hey, there's an opportunity for me to buy a piece of property on the lake. Am I crazy to sell my house in this market and upgrade to a home on the lake? And like we kind of walked through it and we're like, no, this, this makes total sense. He's looking at it as a buying opportunity. And like in the, the area that that client lives in, there's virtually no inventory currently on the, the market with interest rates being down to the point where we've got clients that are being quoted 30-year mortgages in the twos. Let me say that again. 30-year mortgages in the twos unreal right now um like it's something where like the, just the buying opportunity is phenomenal and so he's looking at, at uh, taking advantage of that yeah so that goes back to our several conversations we've had around balance right this allows us to take advantage of these top opportunities that when when they do occur we can do exactly what you just said and actually buy a house that might be upgrading from where we're currently at. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's just an absolutely uh, phenomenal time right now to, to be taking a look at, at doing something slightly different with your existing real estate, whether that's uh, purchasing more, whether that's refinancing your existing mortgage, you know, whatever the case may be, there, there's a ton of opportunity out there right now. Yep. Even if you're buying a house, right? Again, if we've got money outside of the market, that market is not affecting that money as the down payment for your house. So as much as uh, maybe people thought that we were talking too much around liquidity and having cash, this is the exact instance that allows the bulk of our money to really work for us, even in bad times. Yeah, it really, really does. So let's jump back into the, these rules of investing and, and dive into them a little bit further here. So own stocks and manage risks with the fixed income. Uh, Ryan, kind of take that apart a little bit, if you would, and, and jump into what do we really mean by that? Yeah, so, so owning stocks, right? The equities, you know, when you own a stock, that tends to be a riskier investment, right? Because the company you're reliant upon the company's profits hopefully being higher uh, as well as the the, the actual uh, value of the stock going up and if it's an individual company obviously that risk is higher um, of whether or not you get a rate of return on that when we talk about fixed income we're talking i kind of compare it to a bond type portfolio where we're looking at uh, a a second portion that is low risk to offset the high risk we're taking in, in the stocks. And so oftentimes we see someone's portfolio and we're actually looking at the stock allocation aspect. And then we go to look at the bond or fixed income aspect. And we see they're investing in higher yield type corporate bonds where the, the risk profile may not be as high as a stock, but it's still a higher risk. 
and but they consider it a bond so they just immediately thought oh well that's kind of the offset of, of balance so I'm managing that risk I'm taking in the stock and in actuality you're really not yeah uh, like one of the philosophies that we have when it comes to fixed income or bond type portfolios is having it be high quality and short duration the reason why short duration is important is because of going through times like what we are right now the duration is going to measure how much fluctuation that underlying security that bond that fixed income component has when it comes to changes in interest rates as interest rates fall existing bond prices go up now at this point like i heard something insane that like the 10 year treasury is well under 1% and yeah that, that's just a crazy concept right um you've got parts of europe that have you who are listening and not seeing i just did a big eye roll like when i heard the 10 year treasury like that's not high <laughs> it's low <laughs> extremely low um and, and so anybody who is moving out of stocks right now and moving into bonds there's going to be two different issues that they face one they sold out after the market went down and two they're buying into a highly appreciated bond market because interest rates are so low and so if interest rates even just go back to like what has been our norm for like the last maybe 10 years that's going to be a massive massive increase in in rates and the the fixed income that people are buying today is going to drop and drop fairly dramatically as a result of that yeah so in the end the the end takeaway from this is really looking at how is your allocation really looking in terms of how you know the how much you're in stocks versus bonds and are you really managing the risk of the take the piece you're taking in the stocks with hopefully lower risk bonds so that's that's rule number 1 jump into rule number 2 let's talk about diversification alex Yeah so diversification what we're talking about here isn't like owning multiple stocks it's not like hey we need to have 10 15 20 25 stocks it's we need to own stocks domestically we need to own stocks internationally we want a broad diversification at a minimum we're looking at 5000 and in an ideal situation we're looking at 10000 plus different unique individual securities we want to own that across different sectors of uh, or def- different industries uh, we want to own large companies medium companies and small companies we also want to own value and growth like we're looking to own the entire market not to try and pick individual securities and select like who's going to be the next you know Amazon, Microsoft, insert high flying stock company, you know, here. Yeah, too often we'll see when we're looking when we're working with someone that is in the tech sector, their income will be tied to that company. They'll have stock vested to them in that company. They might even have stock in their retirement plans inside of that company. But then they also have, you know, another like four or five companies that are in the same tech sector. and right. the concern with that is is if the tech market has a bad year that's a huge piece of your your income and your future income 
taking a hit. Yeah, uh, in terms of diversification, in an ideal world, we don't have more than 2% in any one holding. And ideally, we have less than 1% in every holding. Right. Um, and the, the goal there is just not to become over-reliant on any one particular individual holding. And Which takes yeah. us to the – what's that? I mean, it's scary. I've seen portfolios where like 60, 70, 80% of somebody's portfolio is in their own company. And so now you've got, you know, virtually 100% of your income and virtually 100% of your net worth all tied to one company. Yep. And it's fine until it's not. And that the issue is you don't know when it's not going to be. <laughs> That's the concern. What if it's not okay at the exact day you're trying to retire? Well, or a or couple even, of years prior to retirement? Or six months into retirement? Like, so. Yeah, I mean, the, the worst day that it could possibly be not fine would be like the day after you retire. Because at that point, you've given up your income, yep. you, you rode off into the sunset, and now your situation just changed dramatically. Yep. Which takes us to rebalancing. And I think I think a lot of people understand rebalancing to a certain degree. They don't really understand how it gets off balance to begin with. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, the easy answer is we go through events like we have this month, like we did last year, um, where like last year, the market went up and it went basically straight up all year. And so what happens when the equity markets do 15, 20, 25, 30% and there's different segments of the, of the uh, stock market that, that did anywhere from 15% up to 30%, your fixed income component is not going to be able to keep pace. And so as the market is going up, as the market's going up, you're taking on more and more and more risk because a larger percentage of your assets are winding up in those aggressive assets. And so you wind up with this just exponential growth curve, which is awesome as long as it's going up and horrible as soon as it's not going up because now we've leveraged ourselves up and we've taken more risk. Yeah, the simple math, think of it this way. Let's just say you had a, a $100,000 portfolio and you had a 50-50 allocation. That means $50,000 of your of your money is sitting in, call it stocks, and $50,000 of your money is sitting in fixed income or bonds. And in a year like last year, if you have 30% growth on 50% of your money, right, that's an additional $15,000 that is now on the stock side of it. So now your your stock side just went up to 65,000, but then your bonds, maybe they just did 1% or 2% or 3%. Well, that might be $1,500. So now you're at 5,500 of your original 100,000 is sitting in bonds. And now you've got 65,000, my math is, is off there because that equals more than 100%, but you guys get my point you're now off kilter. You've got more money sitting in the stock side and you thought you had a 50-50 allocation in terms of risk. Well, your your math isn't off. It's just you're no longer you no longer have a $100,000 portfolio. Right. And so when you have that type of a a shift, you know, you just went from a 50-50 allocation to 
like 60, 40 almost. And you did so in a very short span of time in one and, year. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this works inversely proportionate as well. When we go through events like what we've, the volatility that we've seen here since, uh, since mid February, then you've got, you know, the, the reverse happening. You've got your $50,000 position in the stock market falling. Let's say it falls 20%. Okay. Well, you just went from $50,000 down to $40,000. And if your fixed income went from $50,000 up to $51,000, like, okay, <laughs> now you just did the exact opposite. You're right. becoming much, much more conservative at a time when you may not want to become more conservative. Now, it'll definitely feel good right now to be more conservative because of what's going on in the market, but that's not the appropriate thing to do if we're investing for the long term. If we're not investing for the long term, we shouldn't be invested in the stock market anyway, and thus it's just helping us get out of the position that we shouldn't have been in in the first place. Which takes us to behavior, right? Like, so take that portfolio that I was explaining where we went uh, heavy on the equity side or the stock side. Now, some version of what we're going through right now occurs. What risk profile did you have and did you really understand it? Because the risk profile, hopefully the advisor that you sat down with sat down and said, look, you have to be okay with losing X amount of money with the possibility of gaining Y. And so, you know, we, we utilize an academic approach and actually look at the, you know, this will bring back maybe some horrors to, to people like me. I hated standard deviation. But many, <laughs> shocker, I know. Um, but we, uh, you know, you look at the standard deviation, we actually look at, okay, what is the risk profile? What are the risk units that I've actually got inside of my portfolio? And do I really understand that? So, and how, how does that affect me? So in the instance that we were just talking about, where now we're heavier on the stock side, if we didn't rebalance, it's gonna be harder to behave. And even if we did rebalance and we're losing money, we have to be okay with that because this, again, this is long-term. This isn't something that, you know, we're, we're taking the money out tomorrow, hopefully, especially if, if you're taking a riskier um, stance inside of your allocation. Yeah, it, holding strategy and you know in markets like to like what we're going through right now is critically important. And if you can't hold strategy, then your strategy was flawed to begin with, because you shouldn't have ever been put into that type of a portfolio. Like this is a phenomenal learning experience to help folks understand what are they comfortable with, what are they not comfortable with, um, and you know for all the volatility that we've seen. Like this still pales in comparison with what we went through back in 08. Yep. And so just understanding where we're at and, and what your response is to it, you know, we can talk about it from an academic standpoint and like, oh yeah, I would never sell out in, the, in a down market. Well, now we get to find out, are you going to sell out in a down market? Yeah. And like, so long as you've done proper planning and we have dollars sitting in cash and dollars sitting in liquid investments and we're not reliant upon our dollars that are sitting in the market and we allow we allow the market time to recover from this type of event like this is not 
not a horrible thing. It's not even all that uncommon. Like this particular version might feel a little bit uncommon, but some of the most expensive words when investing in the stock market are it's different this time. And that's true whether it's going up or whether it's going down. Yep. This takes us to the market timing aspect, Alex. So you, you brought up like going to cash or or changing your allocation or, or however you're looking at it, right? Dalbar did a study um, talking about how many days, if you took your money out of the market, right? Let's just say today you decided, you know what? It's going down too much. I got, I got to stop the bleeding. I'm going to pull my money and just go to cash. So you sold. The question is, is when are you going back? When are you going to go back into the market? When is the right time to go back in? And the Dalbar study, and I, I, I don't remember the specific numbers, but essentially if you had a $10,000 um, investment and over like a 20-year time period or even a 30-year time period, if you missed just like five days, like five trading days. So think about that from a perspective of you know 10 years, right? 365 days a year, trading days is what, 270 or something like that? I don't know the exact number. That. So it's, it's 2,700 days in a 10-year period. And if you miss just five of the best trading days in that period, your return is like half what it could have been. Yeah. It is just absolutely amazing how, how much missing out on those phenomenal days will negatively impact your portfolio. And oftentimes the, the big ups and the big downs – get clustered together really closely. Yeah, like for instance, if you went out today and let's just say tomorrow is a big day in the market and you cashed out, the chances of you getting back in the market tomorrow right away and getting invested in the market, all that kind of fun stuff, pretty pretty slim. You just missed out on one of the best trading days. Your return, your likelihood of return going back to what it would have been had you just stayed is not very good. Yeah, uh, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you have the capability of, of sharing your screen, but it might be helpful to, to take a look at, at running a present value calculation. Do you, do you have the ability to do that real quick? Yeah, let me pull it up here. So this was something that Ryan and I were at a conference recently, and, and one of the investment specialists that was there uh, pulled, this, pulled this up and did this in front of uh, like a a group of about 50 advisors and it both really just hit Ryan and I hard. And we know this stuff inside, outside, forwards and backwards. Uh, but the, the way in which this works is if we think about, uh, no, do it, do a future value calculation. So if we, if we're looking at the typical, say 35 year old who has 30 years until, uh, until retirement, and uh, we take a look at at uh, what the the S and P 500 is trading at today after the the bloodbath. So um, I, I don't have the the final number in front of me, Ryan. Do you have it in front of you there? Or do you want me to look it up um, real quick? Let's see. Final S and P number is 2746. So so plug in 2746 there in our, our in our calculator. Um, put zero for annual payment. And like whatever growth rate you expect to get on the S&P 500 over the next 30 years, uh, let's just call it 8%. And now uh, run that out for 30 years. 
And so like, okay, <laughs> we've got roughly a 10 X multiple there. Like, is it really going to matter whether we got in at 2,500 or 2,700 or 3,000 if it's going to 27,000? No, it's it's not going to matter. Like, if we've got a 10, 20, 30 year time horizon to be able to to allow the market to work. Now, it's, it was just an example that that really just kind of hit me and was like, wow, that that's like I yeah, had never thought about it in those in those terms. What's funny is is we've even you and I have even had conversations like, oh, the S and P broke three thousand today, or oh, the the Dow broke you know twenty eight or twenty nine or whatever the, the number was twenty years ago. <laughs> wasn't even near those type of numbers. And so mm -hmm. what Alex is trying to portray here is as the market's growing, right? Even if it doesn't matter what percentage we use, we could use 6% here. The fact is, is 6% or even 4% is still a lot bigger in the future with the growth of that. And so this concern around, well, I, you know, the, the market's too hot right now or the market's too low right now, right? Over the long time horizon here, well, 2746 compared to 15,000 or the 27,000, I think the number was prior, Alex, like it's not a high at all. Right. So completely different perspective and it definitely, well, Alex and I, I think intuitively knew that it's different to put it in actual numbers and actually say, oh, that, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Well, and just helping folks understand that like whether you get in at 2,500, 2,800, three grand, like 3,200, compared to what we're expecting everything to grow to, given a six, eight, 10% rate of return in the markets, whatever it winds up being, like it, it's not close. Right. Which takes us to the, back to the Dalbar study that we're talking about more around behavior aspects. And it's behavior, it's what the individual investor, the average investor gets versus what the market could provide. And this really takes into account emotions, right? Like going in and out of the market, playing that game, or just the media influence, which can be rapid at times, or rampant, I guess is, is the right um, terminology, uh, at, at times that, that adds to the emotions and the fear of, and then you're trying to predict. So you can see how this roller coaster ride turns into a snowball effect of freaking people out. And the point, the point of the study is you need to have someone there to help coach you through or walk you through what was the what was the risk profile you chose and what what is it you're trying to build and this isn't a today decision right this is a long-term decision and to take it back to you know i hate to say the numbers it's not about the numbers we understand that but the coaching mentality of really working with someone that understands the roller coaster ride that can help you walk you through this. And the vast majority of that difference is behavior. Not that's the whole point of the Dalbar study is measuring the impact of our own behavior on the rate of return of our portfolios. And it's it's just absolutely amazing that it's continues to to be this phenomenon. Um and like, look, I, I get it. Human nature, you know, sends us into fight or flight mode. And 
how do you fight the stock market? So the, really the only answer is to, to flee from it. And, and so you wind up with, you know, these, these just kind of poor decisions. And again, if you're looking at things over a long time horizon, we're, we're... in the end, the, the point of this podcast today is understanding the risk and truly understanding them. Like what is the actual true risk from an academic standard deviation approach. Do you understand that so that you can hold strategy to Alex's point when the market does have days like today or future days? And having a coach along with side of you, someone there to help with that is a huge piece of that, as well as understanding that the ups and downs of the market's gonna happen. Matter of fact, if you don't have the ups and downs of the market, rate of return really doesn't exist in the way it yeah. exists today. So we hope you got value out of today's podcast. Please make sure to check us out at beerandmoney.net. Um, you can ask us a question on, uh, on that page. If you scroll down to the bottom, you can uh, send us an email with your question, or you've got our other podcasts there as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, if you got any, any value out of today's podcast, please share it. Um, believe me, if, if you're having concerns about the market or if you learned something that you didn't, um, you didn't uh, fully understand, I'm guessing you have a friend, a family member out there that may have had the same thing. Uh, so share it. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to bring that value. So Alex, do we have a question of the day? We do. We do. The question of the day, ugh, pardon me, I can speak maybe. Uh, the question of the day is what are you using to get yourself through this market, market volatility? So check us out, bearmoney.net. Send us some feedback there. And... As always, we hope you're having a good day and cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, CIPIC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-96589, expiration March 2022.